is a beginning point. This is the beginning of the rest of my life. I got the meaning, and I got to write it down, because I don't want to forget it. Just win, baby. All right, guys, and welcome back to the Gold Jacket Podcast with me, your host, as always, Gymnastic. And with me, as always, is uh, my co-host, Connor. Connor, how you been, buddy? I, I've i been good. I've been really good. Just uh, just hanging out, waiting for some football, you know, waiting to talk some football. And kind of, kind of pretty heartbroken by the Brandon Brooks news that just came down, like, not even an hour ago. Uh, that made it, That's making it pretty difficult to come on the show right now. But, yeah. Yeah, I saw that news, and I saw. Well, I didn't really see the news until you you tweeted about it. But uh, yeah, it's a t- tough break. That's a tough break for sure. And uh, this week, I'm pretty excited. We're we're diving into the AFC North, and we got a guest with us, uh, Will Harris from True North Fantasy Football. Pretty excited to have him on. Will, man, how you been? Uh, I've been I've been doing great, uh, Jim and and Connor. Thanks so much for having me on. Super excited to be here. Uh, jumping on a podcast with some fellow fellow true northers is always super exciting and really love what you guys are doing with uh, with the pod so um, AFC North is near and dear to my heart so I'm, I'm really excited to talk some uh, talk some football with you boys today perfect perfect so uh, we're going to remind the listeners when we're ranking these positional groups that it is uh, for the purposes of fantasy and um you want the lowest score <clears throat> going forward kind of like that uh the golf score which uh i got to got to hit the links the other day had a few good shots but overall i am <laughs> terrible <laughs> terrible i'm the same, same way man i i got out for my second round and i was just like i just got beat my last one and when you asked how i did and i was like i don't know if i want to disclose my score but now that i hear you <laughs> saying that i'm like ah 116 is probably not that bad <laughs> Oh yeah, I took a few mullies that uh, we're not going to count, but yeah, it was up there. It was definitely up there. All right. So yeah, like we said, we're breaking down the AFC North. It's our first division in the AFC and uh, I'm pretty excited about it. So with that, we'll jump right into it and uh, we'll hit the running backs first. Connor, uh, how do you have those running backs uh, ranking? First for me, I got the Cleveland Browns and it's mostly because you got like and, and mostly you're usually looking at a team and you're looking at like you have one back and he does everything for you. But this team has two backs who can do everything for you in Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Um, in PPR last year from weeks 11 through 17 when Kareem Hunt actually returned, Chubb and Hunt with a running back 17 and 18 averaging 12.8 and 12.4 points re- respectively. Um, the Browns targeted running backs 146 times last season, uh, which was fifth in the uh, NFL or yeah, fifth in the NFL. And they were also eighth in the percentage that they targeted running backs over 25 percent of the time. Um, I'm kind of interested to see what happens. And we'll talk about down the line with the Hooper arrival and what that will do uh, in regards to uh, Kareem Hunt and his role in the passing game. Um 
But I do think that the Stefanski arrival is a big positive for Chubb and Hunt because look what he did. Look what Stefanski's done with Dalvin Cook. Uh, they had a top 10 Russian offense last season um, in Minnesota, but they were bottom third of the league in pass. And so I think that spells some really high fantasy upside for both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And I know that Kareem Hunt currently has like a ridiculous ADP given the fact that he is the RB2 behind Nick Chubb. Um, but I think a lot of people are buying the what happens after this year because I think they tagged Hunt this year. But after this, you're not going to he's not going to stay around for that again or I think it was a transition tag or something. I can't imagine Kareem Hunt staying again for that. He's going to prove he proved himself in those final six weeks that he played, and I think that he's going to prove himself again this year, and another team will take him on. Um, and the fact that Chubb and Hunt are the same age also definitely helps for the from a value perspective um, for me. Um, second for me is Joe Mixon. I love Joe Mixon. He's one of my favorite running backs. Um, in the NFL right now. Last year, he the O-line ranked 61st when he was on the field, and the Cincinnati Bengals ranked 25th in run plays due to their obviously extremely negative game script that they were putting up with. Uh, I think a healthy O-line, the arrival of Joe Burrow, even though I don't love Joe Burrow, uh, healthy green, Higgins arrival, all equal, a lot of pluses for Joe Mixon and what he's going to be able to do as a running back. Um, he was number two in yards created and number one in evading tack evaded tackles, but struggled in almost all other categories. So it just goes to show what he was able to do when he got away from the offensive line. And then when he was able to get beyond that offensive line and, and all the capabilities that he might have. Um, I think that, that the field's definitely going to open up a lot more if AJ green can stay healthy and with T Higgins arrival, and that will definitely, allow Joe Mixon to be more involved in the passing game, especially considering the uh, the tight ends that they have in Cincy that we'll talk about down the road. Um, but he's easy a top five running back in 2020, in my eyes. Um, Pittsburgh, th this was a tough one. I, I like Connor. I actually do like uh, James Connor a lot, but you can't expect 16 games from the guy. You just can't. I still think Connor's the RB1 in this offense, despite the hype building around McFarland and stuff. Um, and he definitely has the talent to remain as such, but he's just not going to give you 16 games. And that that's something that, that worries a lot of people. Um, he only played 10 games last season and uh, he ranked in the late 20s for opportunity snaps and targets. So he didn't get a whole lot of love last year, but they were also playing from behind quite a bit. The game script wasn't great because the quarterbacks were absolutely terrible. Um, and the O-line ranked 53rd last season when Connor was in the backfield, which definitely doesn't help the situation. Um, I think a lot of people forget that Connor's only one year removed from an RB6 season in only 13 games. So for me, I'd still be taking Connor in this backfield. In one league, I actually took Connor. I think we're all in that league too. Uh, I, I think I'm in it with Will for sure. Um, and I took McFarland as well just to have the handcuff with Connor just in case. Um, because in my shopping of Connor, no one wants to buy him, which I'm okay with. I'll keep him around. Um, but I find Samuels and McFarland are very similar. So that's going to be interesting to see what happens there. And if McFarland can actually take that job from Samuels, um, but Connor in that backfield need a ton of help in opening, having that field open up. Um, so they need some leaps from Juju and, uh, Deontay Johnson and Eric Ebron to open up that field for them. And lastly, 
the Baltimore Ravens are number four for me. And I know I love J.K. Dobbins and I'm all on board for that. But when you have a guy, your quarterback, who's at nearly 200 rushing attempts a game, it's extremely difficult to have belief that the running back will be fantasy relevant as well. Mark Ingram had some really good games, probably put up his last truly fantasy relevant season. Um, but the Ravens running back scored about 2% better than the league average in the, on the entire season. Um, but in the final five weeks, they actually scored 48% less fantasy points, averaging about 12.7 amongst the running backs in the final five weeks. So that just goes to show you just how volatile the Ravens running backs can be and just how volatile that position can be. But I really do like J.K. Dobbins. I think he's a must draft. I think he's a must own if you can get him. And I think the future's bright for him there. And he's going to become the lead back. And I think that he's definitely going to have the opportunity to become Lamar Jackson's best friend or one of his really good friends behind Mark Andrews. So I'm, I'd, I'd get Dobbins for that sole fact that I don't think Lamar Jackson can run forever or go for nearly 200 rushing attempts every single year. But for the near future, definitely Ingram, Edwards, and Hill are hard passes for me. But Dobbins is someone who I would definitely be taking. So that's how I got my running backs ranked. Yeah, Connor, man, I uh, love the breakdown, but uh, you know I agree with a lot of the points he made. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna flip it. I'm gonna flip this on its head. All uh, the Baltimore running game for me is uh, is number one, and it's number one for a lot of different reasons. It's it's number one because they got Lamar Jackson under center. Second is the amount of run plays that they ran last year. You know, it was first in the league, and we know that that's probably not going to slow down any. Uh, they added a few other weapons on uh, on the receiving core, but. Um, yeah, sure. Maybe Lamar picks up the pace a little bit, throws throws the ball some more. But I still think that this offense is going to run through the run game. And I also on the, you know, I also have them ranked number one because of the value that you can get in that um, ambiguous kind of backfield, right? Because you look at where Mark Ingram is going, and I really feel no one is talking about it. I really feel that Mark Ingram is going to be that RB one this year. Uh, we saw it happen last last year with another rookie that they brought in and Justice Hill, who, you know, we were pretty excited about. And we just saw Ingram pound that ball um, to uh, to RB1 numbers um, during the season last year. I think they're going to do that, right? And if you can get that RB1 in uh, in the fifth or sixth round where Ingram is going right now, um, I love that value that is there. And that's why I'm chasing the, uh, the Baltimore run game again this season and that value. And, you know, just like what you're saying in terms of the Pittsburgh run game, hey, um, maybe you can, you can stack that and get, uh, get Dobbins, uh, you know, later than, than we're getting Ingram. Um, so I'm excited about Baltimore. I'm excited where I can get Ingram this year. I still think they're going to pound the, pound the ball a lot. I don't think that Ingram is a sexy pick by any means. But it's certainly one that can that, that can really help the team out, right? Hundred percent. I I mean I can get behind the 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 opportunity that's there. I just can't get behind the fact that you would want to try and get in on a running back that the running back or backfield that's so volatile. That was the that was my only issue with Baltimore is when you have your, a a quarterback running the ball as much as you have there. But I don't deny the value that that's possibly there and the opportunity that's there because they're a ground and pound team. So I can definitely see that and I can respect that, that opinion. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. They're not going to shy away, right? And, you know, um, we know that Baltimore has one of the strongest strengths of schedule and they will be in, in control of that game script. So they're going to they're gonna pound the rock a lot. 
Um, and Ingram is is a tough guy to evaluate, you know, in in dynasty. I mean, if you're if you're a champion, uh, you know, if you're shooting for a championship, he's probably somebody that you want to hold on to because uh, he's going to give you that RB one uh, value. But if you're in a if you're in a rebuild kind of mode, uh, he's definitely someone that you want to try to sell high on, tough, try to sell into a contender. Um, but I understand too, Connor. Yeah, absolutely that ambiguity of that backfield in a lot of senses uh you just want to you just want to avoid but for season long best ball um i'm hammering ingram when i when i can yeah i don't i don't tell you on that um i was just checking out his uh overall adp uh, i know he's going off the board as rb32 which is something i really like um and like you said if you're a championship team or you're you're a contending team or actually really doesn't even depend how you're going to try to build your roster mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's an RB that if you're going to go later, he's a good one to get, but he's going over at 108 overall, which is absolutely nuts for, for being the, the lead back in 2020 on a team that's going to have plenty of rushing opportunities. Uh, absolutely. How do you have the rest of them ranked there? Will? yeah, I think that, you know, I follow, um, follow pretty closely with, uh, with Connor. Um, uh, I love, I love Nick Chubb this year. Um, you know, I, I don't really buy into the Kareem Hunt hype. Um, certainly not at his ADP. Um, I think that, you know, for football purposes, that he will definitely make that backfield a dynamic backfield and one that will keep defenses guessing. But I really feel that Nick Chubb is going to, uh, you know, continue to lead and be that between the tackles Um running back that we saw last year and again looking at strength of schedule and what the uh what the brown i mean the browns had an incredibly tough tough season last year and you know we we were really close to having chubb lead the league in rushing in those negative game scripts so i like chubb this year i like that running games fancy coming in um only adds to that only adds to the value that's there and too you know when we're talking i talked about ingram as a value i'm i'm seeing chubb too as a as a potential value in drafts and he's slipping down the, he's slipping down the boards because of, again, you know, ambiguity might be the name of the the running game in the AFC uh, North. Uh, but again, there's, there's value there because hunt kind of lurking in the back, um, in the background is pushing Chubb further and further down. And, you know, sometimes seeing him border into the, into the second round. And it's, you know, last year with the hype after his rookie season, we were really talking, um, about Chubb in the first round, right? So we keep that in uh, in hindsight. Stefanski's only only going to benefit him, and you know I feel that there's going to be some there's going to be more uh, twelve personnel. There's going to be more uh, two tight end sets, and going to open that game um, as Connor alludes to a little bit more. And I'm a, I'm a buy on the Cleveland run game, and I think that Chubb is going to have a, an absolutely monster season this year. Um, when it comes to um, when it comes to the Steelers, I, I think that we all love uh, James Conner. We love the story. We love how he's overcame cancer and had an absolutely uh, monster season when he was healthy. But again, there is a is a ton of okay. Well, what if is he going to be healthy? But again, we are discounting um, Conner um, as an RB one at his ADP because of this uncertainty and because of that uncertainty, he becomes a buy now in the fifth and sixth round of, of draft. And, and that's where he's going. I'm in a draft right now. So if I seem a little bit preoccupied, it's a crazy like 40 second clock. And, you know, I picked up Connor, I think in the 
it's a 16 lead team league and I picked him up at the end of the fourth round. I mean, that's incredible value for potential RB one. And, you know, come, come the 15th or 16th round. Can I top Anthony McFarlane? Absolutely. I think that he's going to be the number two guy. I think that Samuels, I think that his kind of opportunity window, I was super excited about that prospect last year. Um, you know, that size, that speed and that versatility, but, when Connor went down and they were trying to do a bunch of stuff to get him involved with Wildcat and really trying to um, trying to make it his backfield, it just didn't happen. So I think that's why they brought in McFarland. And we're going to see him as, hey, Connor goes down, McFarland's going to get the tap. And if he becomes productive, I think that they'll certainly continue to to run with him and, and he could potentially end up the season as an RB1. I think that if Connor's healthy, he's got that role locked and loaded. And again, at that value, um, I can't say no to um, to Connor. You know, in the uh, in the fifth round, it's just too tough. Yeah, I hear you on that. Um, I just in Pittsburgh, I actually think the guy that would get the tap if Connor went down would actually be. And I know it's probably going to be bad to hear, but I think it's going to be Snell. Yeah. Oh. Um, Oh, I really do. Jesus. As much as I don't think, I don't, I don't, that's why I'm avoiding the whole game. <laughs> this is, but, this uh, is like what we're talking about Ian Thomas all over again. This is what it feels like. <laughs> man, it's not like what I think they're going to, like, that's just what I think they're going to do. I think they're going to, again, tap Snell. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't see him trusting a rookie back. I don't. They tried. I could it, they see, tried it, I could it see a combination of a Snell because he's like that big body, you know, pound the ball type of guy. Um, but I don't see him the being the all around. That's possible too. I just don't see him being the all around answer. I mean, if James Conner goes down, I don't think that there. I don't think there's anyone I'd re- like to own. I mean, th- this offense or this this backfield is kind of ambiguous, like you were saying. Well, like kind of like reminiscent of the Bucks. I it's like if you don't own if you own one of them, you probably want to own a second of them. And if you don't, if you only own one of them, unless it's James Conner, oh, I don't think you oh. want to own any type of mix of the other people. Absolutely. Ooh, the just thinking about that Tampa backfield gives me shivers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. Um. Yeah. So. Uh, just for me, real quick, I have them ranked. Uh, my number one is, is Cincinnati based on the uh, loan opportunity on Joe Mixon and that he has. I, I like him as a as a potential RB1. Uh, my number two is the Ravens based strictly on uh, ADP and rushing opportunity. Like uh, Will touched on, you can get Ingram pretty late, and I think he's going to surprise a lot of people when he ends up uh, again close to double-digit touchdowns and rushing, which I think he's going to come knocking close with like an eight or a nine. Uh, Three is Cleveland, and that's only because they have two guys that can uh, easily be a lead back, but I'd look for one of them to go down before um, I think either ADP would be uh, justified. And then obviously number four is Pittsburgh, and it is that AMB. Yeah, the ambiguous nature of the uh, of the backfield, and like I said, I'm not trusting that Connor's going to put 16 games in. Uh, I don't think anybody could. So those games that he's out, I like I said, I don't trust anybody behind him. And said I think the goal line work is going to be Snell. Obviously, McFarland's going to be worked in, but 
I don't think there's enough work for one guy that they're going to give to be fantasy relevant. So that's how I have them. Let's uh, let's touch on those wide receivers then. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's it's a little bit uh, probably more exciting. I would imagine um, that there's probably a little bit more uh, debate um, in terms of the uh, wide receiver in the AFC North. And I look at this and I think that there's a, a ton of value um, to be had in this division because it is so defense focused. It is so run heavy that people think that, okay, well, you know what? Uh, teams like Baltimore and Cleveland, um, they are, you know, so run heavy that they aren't going to pass. But I think that that also creates value um, when we're, when we're drafting. So um, in terms of my ranking, I'm going to, uh, going to start it off. Number one is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, number two would be the Cleveland Browns. And number three would be the Baltimore Ravens. And then probably the biggest surprise for everybody here would be the Bengals at four. And I can, I can jump into that right now uh, and, and break it down for you with Pittsburgh being number one. I mean, before Big Ben went down, they were the number one pot passing offense in the NFL um, in 2018. And, and Big Ben uh, had his best statistical passing season, his first 5,000-yard passing season ever, in um, in 2018, um, you know, when Ben went down and we talked about this before and, and in our group chat earlier today, you guys saw me get so fired up talking about Mason Rudolph. I mean, that guy makes me blow a gasket and, and just the, the huge opportunity that he uh, that he dropped last year. But the wheels literally came off when Big Ben went down last year. They had the lowest depth of target in terms of passing, um, one of the worst QBR ratings in the league last year. And it was really amazing to me that to that um, both Deontay Johnson and James Washington were able to scrape together any type of season. And we see the hype of, of Deontay now. And I'm certainly, you know, really excited about, about him as, as a Steelers fan, uh, but also for fantasy purposes. I mean, a, a month ago, he was getting drafted in, you know, the 120-130 range um, that the Deion Bay kind of hype has, has went a little bit off the rails. I know that you guys are seeing it too. Um, and he's starting to creep in kind of um, south of that 100 mark. And maybe his ADP is a little bit shaky for me. But, you know, the Steelers offense, if Big Ben is healthy, and I'm going to, you know, this is all about Ben being healthy. I'll be the first one to say, if Big Ben goes down, this team goes off the rails and they have to win with defense. And we saw that they have the skill to be able to do that on defense, but they also need a quarterback that can throw the ball. What they have right now behind Big Ben and Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph just isn't going to get the job done. So if Ben isn't there, this offense goes off the rail. Ben's healthy. They are by far the best passing offense in the AFC North. And it doesn't, it doesn't even really come close for me. Um in the uh, in the AFC North, we also haven't even touched on Juju, who not too long ago we were talking about as a as a top five wide receiver in this league. Um, I think that a couple things played in played into that last year uh, with Big Ben out. Obviously, the quality of passes that Juju were getting um, wasn't up to par. I mean, let's face it; whether you like him or not, um, Ben Roethlisberger will go down in this league as a Hall of Famer. And, you know, um, we're not here to uh, to debate, you know, whether we, we like people. Um, it's all about what they bring to fantasy. And, and Big Ben certainly has done that. So 
Juju, I think it getting back, um, getting back healthy is going to be number one. We don't really talk about the injuries that plagued him last year, but that was happening. Poor quarterback play, and I also think that it, this isn't even really. Um, this is this is just a this is just a straight fact is that he really struggled without Antonio Brown in the line, um, and that that's clear. You saw it with splits um, when AB, you know, when he was down and when Juju was playing. Um, Juju struggled, but where I think Juju will start to win again is with Deontay and with Washington playing on the outside and Juju operating as that big beefed up slot. Um, that's where he was used really successfully when uh, Antonio Brown was on the field. And when we were talking about Juju as this transcendent player, the talent hasn't, the talent hasn't changed. The talent hasn't dropped off. The situation changed last year with Big Ben going down. But can Deontay slide into, and I'm not saying that he's Antonio Brown, but he's certainly been uh, most compared to Antonio Brown in terms of how he plays the game as a wide receiver. Can he slide into that role, start to take even more snaps and uh, draw that top coverage that we saw him draw last year and let Juju operate out of the slot and and be um, that beefed up option and, and take advantage uh, with um, – <clears throat> With Washington and and Johnson um, playing on the outside, I really I really feel we can. And if that passing volume comes up, it's going to be lights out um, for the for this wide receiver core. And you know we're we're seeing good value there in terms of in terms of ADP. And I go you know and I go to um, <clears throat> to to the Browns. And again, I'm I'm really excited about what um, what they're going to be doing this season. Um, you know everybody. Everybody says, oh, well, Stefanski, he's going to pound the ball and, you know, going to get the tight ends more involved. Well, didn't we see two top wide receivers play under Stefanski in terms of Adam Thielen and Mm -hmm. uh, Stefan Diggs? And I remember it was a real conversation that I was having was, hmm, you know, these guys have similar ADPs, and this is especially true in, in best ball. Which one should I take? Should I take Thielen or should I take Diggs? You know what? Why wouldn't I just take them both? Because we both know that they're going to put up WR1 numbers, and they did. And that's why I'm excited uh, about the Cleveland passing game, um, especially those wide receivers. And and OBJ, um, especially in dynasty format, I think that there's not a better buy low. There's never been a better buy low on him right now. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm in on him. In on him but um, there's, a, there's a ton of value there. And we've seen we're all just kind of like, living off of that rookie season aren't we like just the the catch and uh you know that that transcendent season that he was able to have in year one we're still hanging on to that but the real guy that we need to talk about the real value is Jarvis Landry right over the over the past three years this guy has done nothing but produce and you know we see we actually see his ADP going backwards which doesn't make any sense when, you know, all he's done is put up consistent top 15 numbers. And, you know, that role that he plays in the slot there, I don't think that um, anybody that they brought in um, in the, in the offseason is going to eat into that role. And Mayfield clearly has a, a good rapport with Landry, and I think that he'll continue to thrive there. I think that it gets interesting after those two. Um, who's going who's gonna to fall into that third um, WR role? Um, is there value there? I'm not sure because I feel that the tight ends um, play such a big role in that offense that 
we're probably not going to see um, a WR3 that is um, that is relevant um, this season. But that's why I'm excited about the Cleveland passing game, you know, thinking about um, harkening back to that Thielen and Diggs. And there is some similarities between um, Landry right to Thielen and then uh, Diggs to OBJ. Um, not the same players, but certainly Stefanski has, has worked and got the best out of um, Thielen and Diggs. So I'm excited, and that's why I have them ranked um, number two. And number three <clears throat> has got to be Baltimore. Again, this mindset that we have of, okay, um, yeah, Baltimore's going to be run heavy. They're number one in the league in terms of um, in terms of run plays last year. And we just talked about, you know, what a value uh, Mark Ingram is. But we also forget about this um, this wide first-round wide receiver that they have that is – you know, um, since Deshaun Jackson is probably one of the um, the fastest deep threats that we have in the league today in uh, Marquise uh, Hollywood Brown. Um, you know, and I look at him and I'm always, again, I keep pounding on this, but I'm looking at value and, and Brown, what, what has changed? You know, what has changed from last year to this year in terms of Brown? And all we see is ADP actually going backwards. And to me, I scratch my head because – you know, what everybody's talking about is, well, Lamar's going to throw more. Lamar's getting more accurate. Well, shouldn't Brown's ADP be climbing up then? Am I, am I missing something here? Um, I'm, I'm excited about what Brown, Brown can do in the passing game. And, you know, another guy, too, that just, for, for me, um, you know, his talent and his profile is just so tantalizing is Miles Boykin as well. And, again, he's literally just a – an afterthought in pretty much every draft. And um, I feel that, hey, um, if, if Lamar is going to throw more, um, like everybody is saying that he will. Um, yeah, so, so Miles Boykin, again, I mean, his his uh, his athletic profile, and, you know, he was able to produce when, when given opportunity last year. He was super effective um, and efficient with, um, with the targets that he was given. So, you know, if this... <clears throat> If if the game script is going to go more pass heavy, then he certainly is a beneficiary. And you know, we also see some interesting pieces brought in during the draft, right? Um, in terms of uh, Duvernay and 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 Proch, um, which uh, you know, the, it'll be interesting how they fit into this passing game. But you know, that's why I have the the Ravens as three again. I'm looking at that. I'm looking at the value of Marquise Brown, and I'm saying. Yeah, this is a this is a this is a wide receiver that I want a piece of. Um, in uh, you know, in those mid rounds, he is the is the number one uh, wide receiver in, in Baltimore. So that's why I've got them ranked um, number three, um, and then number four. I mean, <clears throat> this is this has probably got some people scratching their heads. Um, we've got Coach Taylor uh, coming from that much hyped up. Um, LA Rams system, but uh, and we saw some interesting things out of him in the first couple of weeks until um, everybody figured out that hey, this team doesn't have an O line, um, and Andy Dalton's under center. Um, I don't think that you know we haven't seen the best of Taylor. Um, they've got some really interesting pieces, but with this, with the Bengals, um, <clears throat> with the Bengals passing game, and why I've got the ranks so low is because a we've got a rookie quarterback. Yeah, um, you know, the, the Tiger King is coming off of one of the greatest college seasons we've ever seen. Um, you know, what he was able to do at LSU was super impressive. 
but he's a rookie quarterback. I think, you know, I look at the, some of the correlations and some of how we can relate uh, Joe Burrow to uh, another first overall round pick in Kyler Murray and kind of this, uh, oh, well, this offensive guru coach is, is going to do so much. Um, well, you know, Kyler's first season was actually pretty impressive. And I think that we should just be kind of tempering. Um, <clears throat> we should be tempering our expectations a little bit on Joe Burrow and say, well, Kyler Murray was also this uh, transcendent quarterback um, from the collegiate ranks who had an offensive guru as a, as a head coach. Um, and he threw for what? Mid 500s last year in terms of attempts. Um, okay. And that was, you know, one of the fastest paced offense in the NFL. So what do we expect for Burrow? We don't expect a huge rushing upside. I know that he is kind of, you know, that sneaky rusher, but he certainly doesn't have the, the speed and um, ability that Kyler had. So what is, what is the ceiling there? And, you know, so there's a little bit of uncertainty around, around the quarterback, you know, uh, rookie quarterback coming into the league. I still think that Burrow can be a value, but how many times is he going to throw the ball and who is he going to throw it to? I look at that um, Bengals wide receiver depth chart and I like, you know, if I'm a Bengals fan and if there's any out there, um, you know, I think that I'm super excited, but I look at it and I just say, okay, who's going to play where? Um, and, and, and drafting T Higgins this year certainly didn't help that out. Um, one of the biggest things here that nobody's really talking about is that AJ green hasn't even, hasn't even signed his tender yet. Right. Like, so is AJ green a part of this? I think that for me, I have a lot more, um, certainty, um, and can start kind of ranking and adjusting and picking up some of these Bengals player. If I know. Um, if AJ Green is in or out of the situation um, in in Cincinnati, don't get me wrong. I love the talent. I think the Bengals, um, outside of the Steelers, could have the potential to have the deepest wide receiver room in the league. You look at you look at AJ Green, you look at T Higgins, you look at Autumn Tate, and then you look at John Ross. That is a really impressive um, four. Uh, wide receiver that a lot of teams in the league would be envious of having. But how do all these kind of pieces come together in year one? I don't know. Um, but I do, you know, I, I, I do know that if Ben Roethlisberger is healthy, I do know that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to throw the ball a ton of times. I do know that uh, Marquise Brown is, you know, is a top talent in the league and can be got at ADP. But with that kind of uncertainty in the in the Bengals room, um, that's why I have them ranked for. And I think that maybe talent wise, that they they might actually have the deepest wide receiver room now. But rookie quarterback, not sure what Taylor's going to do. Um, not sure what AJ Green is doing. Um, that's why I've got to rank them. I've got to rank them last in terms of uh, in terms of the wide receiver uh, depth and uh, sorry in, in terms of wide receivers in the uh, AFC North. Yeah, so I mean, you you hit on a ton of points. You made you made a lot of good points and a great great discussion to be had there. Um, for me, I, I put Cleveland as number one. For me, um, this this is a division is really frustrating for me because it's it's heavily relying on what the quarterbacks are going to do and what the quarterback play will be like, and not it's not necessarily all about the talent that a specific player is bringing and i think we've seen that in the last couple years in this in this division um for cleve i number one for me is cleveland i love landry's value he's currently in the ballpark of wide receiver 29 and 
he actually hasn't been that that low since like his rookie season. He's been a wide receiver 20 or better in the last four or six seasons. So this whole idea of Jarvis Landry's depressed value is blows my mind. I just can't wrap my head around it. The fact for me, the fact that he's going behind OBJ, it just it kills me. I just can't understand it whatsoever. I mean, OBJ, he's going as a wide receiver 10. And the last he his last appearance in the top 10 as a wide receiver, fantasy wide receiver, was in 2016. He hasn't even been there in two years. And I get that there's the issues with I get that there's the issues in regards to health and he's had he's missed some games and all this, which I get it. I understand that that's there and I have to be cognizant of that. But I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe maybe you're right there, Will, about what what we're living off of. Maybe we're just living off the catch. We're living off of that year one because really outside of that first year and then a bit of that and then generally that second year was really strong. Since he came to Cleveland, he struggled with consistency. He struggled with injuries. And I've had this argument with people before and like, I mean, someone was asking me the other day, would you trade a first rounder for OBJ in a rookie draft? And I honestly said no, and I would not. And I will stand by that because I just don't trust him. OBJ is what going on 27, going on 28 years old. Like, I mean, if he had been relevant, like. I get people say, well, Julio Jones is 33 years old. Julio Jones is relevant. Look at what Julio Jones is doing. Where is this relevancy? So Where is this relevancy for OBJ? Why? What am I buying for? Why? Why would I give up my first round rookie? I have just as much of a shot in the pan with him as I do OBJ year over year. So why would I make that trade? Why would I make that move? The value on OBJ and this this mentality that people have for OBJ blows my mind, and I just cannot understand it. But like you said, they do bring some really good value, both of them, because. For me, the Cleveland Browns, they targeted the wide receivers the sixth most most in the NFL last season. 64% of the targets went towards the wide receivers. And it's not like they didn't have good people at other positions. They had David Njoku, they had Kareem Hunt, they have Nick Chubb, they have all these people. So they have the a ton of weapons, but they threw the most to this position. So there could really be some even some tremendous value at whoever the wide receiver three ends up being, whoever takes that wide receiver three role in Cleveland. Um, so for me, I think the value's there. Good point. I, I like yeah, it. Good point, I like Jimmy. It. Well, I think I think about like another um, another running back that I absolutely love, and this is before the Stefanski regime, but Remember when Duke Johnson was literally used almost for an entire season as a slot receiver? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Like, who is, like, riddle me this, who is the third wide receiver in Cleveland? Do we do we know? Richard It's Kareem Hunt. No, it's, it's Richard Higgins <laughs> on the depth chart, but it's going to yeah. be, like, honest to God, it's going to be Kareem Hunt. No, guaranteed. He's gonna get a. He's gonna get a ton of targets, and you know he's gonna get. Ton, and he's probably gonna target the wide receiver three. That's the reality of the situation. Look what he did from weeks eleven through seventeen, and the value that he brought to basically that slot receiver position. But I mean, we do have to remember there is a man by the name of Austin Hooper coming into town who's gonna get a a decent look and a fair amount of targets, even though. When we'll get into tight ends down the road because I got I got a whole another discussion on that one. <laughs> I but, can't wait. 
At number two for me, I got I got Pittsburgh, and you could really interchange Cleveland or Pittsburgh for me. I, there's lots of hype around the wide receivers: Chase Claypool, uh, Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, who's kind of being underappreciated. His value's been shot a little bit after last season, but I mean, I think it's important to to realize that uh, Juju did appear on the injury report. In half the games that season, he appeared on the injury report eight times. He had uh, his toe issue, which had him on there once. He had a knee sprain, which kept him out for four games, and he had a concussion. So he struggled with some injuries, and like we saw it with uh, Alvin Kamara last year with an ankle sprain. Sprains are not easy to necessarily play through, especially when you're going to be relied as heavily as Juju Smith or Schuster and Alvin Kamara were relied on in those offenses. So, I mean, for for me, a healthy Juju is definitely going to be huge this year and a healthy Big Ben, like you were saying. Um, ben is Ben definitely Ben led the number one offense in passing attempts in 2018. And so there's going to be a ton, a ton of targets to go around for those wide receivers and for Eric Ebron. And, I mean... Ben loves yards after catch people. I looked at the yards after the catch on this one in 2018, 699 pass attempts, and he ranked 38 of 39 QBs over 150 pass attempts with a 45% versus 55% yards after catch catch versus yards in the air. So, I mean, and he has a 66% target rate there's wide receivers. So, there's a lot of trust being put into a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster and a guy like Deontay Johnson and a guy like Chase Claypool to create for themselves. And the fact that he didn't go and get surgery on the elbow and he's coming back with the elbow the way he just took all that time off, is it actually going to help Ben? Is he going to be able to throw 699 pass attempts? Is he going to be able to throw that much? It's, it, there's a big question mark for me around Ben Roethlisberger and... If he ends up having to rely on a shorter game and relying on his wide receivers, those wide receivers can bring some really great value in fantasy. And I think Juju's a great value, a tremendous value. I mean, the guy hasn't even turned 24 yet, and he's got two years deep in the NFL, including playing alongside one of the best wide receivers, Antonio Brown. So, I mean, it's, it'll be really interesting to see what happens there. But um, Juju and Deontay are the ones to own, I think, because Deontay, he 45% of his yards were after the catch in 2019. And take it, Juju in 2018, 45% of his yards were after the catch, too. So it's really inter- it's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. Um, I think with a few more wide receivers to look at and a guy like Eric Ebron in the picture, Juju becomes a really interesting piece to own. And suddenly all the attention in the eyes may not be on Juju. Um, but I like this relies a lot on Ben definitely relies a lot on Ben and definitely relies a lot on Ben throwing the ball a lot. Um, number three for me is going to, is going to be Cincinnati. The, the, the question marks are all over that offense. The question marks are all over the wide receivers, especially you brought up AJ green. He missed a whole season. He hasn't signed his tender. He's got a new quarterback. He's 32 years old. There's new competition all around him. He's likely a trade candidate. Green, for me, is not the fantasy-relevant person to own in Cincinnati. For me, it's it's T. Higgins and it's Tyler Boyd. I mean, look at Tyler Boyd. Look what Tyler Boyd's done he, as, as from a fantasy standpoint. He's stepped in when A.J. Green's been out, and he's proved incredibly fantasy-relevant. 
um in the time connor connor i just start i gotta jump in i gotta like slap myself how did i forget about tyler boyd in cincinnati exactly player on the roster exactly completely disrespected the guy for that i mean he has taken back-to-back seasons he's ended up stepping in with the aj green issues he's gotten over 100 targets he's gotten over a thousand yards he's gotten more than five touchdowns both years like he he, it's ridiculous tyler boyd is an incredible person to own in fantasy and he's going to build great rapport with with burrow because I mean, a lot of people totally. don't even realize Tyler Boyd's only 25 years old. Tyler Boyd's young. Tyler Boyd's the, the similar age to even some of the incoming rookie class, for crying out loud. So for me, I'm taking Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins because like you, you, they're young and they're the future of that Bengals offense. They're going to be the focal point. They're going to build their relationship with Joe Burrow. And no matter how much I dislike Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow can throw a football and he's going to throw a football lots. So at the end of the day... I think that over the next couple of years, that there's going to be a pretty negative game script for the Cincinnati Bengals because they're still in the middle of their rebuild. They still got more to go. They still got to work on the defense. They got a, they got a healthy offensive line, but I think there's still work to be done on that offensive line. So Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins are the ones down there. And for me, I'm avoiding A.J. Green like the plague because he's just not someone I want to own. And I think his years of fantasy relevance are over. Maybe a best ball guy to pick up. Just if he's healthy and uh, hope that he gives you a few games here and there and depends on where he goes is in a trade because I think a trade is almost inevitable. But the Bengals ranked fourth in targets to wide receivers last year, and I don't see that changing because look, outside of Joe Mixon, if you look at those tight ends, it's laughable. So I think you're going to see a ton more targets to wide receivers still this year under with Joe Burrow and with Zach Taylor. Um Last for me has got to be Baltimore. That's Lamar Jackson's offense. That's a run-first offense. I don't care how many more times you're going to throw the ball or how much they say they're going to throw the ball. I did the math on it. They rank, well, obviously, if it if it wasn't obvious, when they ranked dead last in targets to wide receivers in, in the NFL. Um, they ranked dead last in pass plays per game. Bottom third of the league in literally every passing category possible, except for first and passing touchdowns. And we all know who that was for. Um, it was definitely not the wide receivers, um, but they, they, if you increase his passing, Lamar Jackson's passing by 25%, that's about three more passes, three more pass attempts per game or three more targets to wide receivers. They get to 227 targets. The he targeted wide receivers only 182 times last year. So in 227, you know what that brings him to second they just they leapfrog the team ahead of them for targets to wide receivers. That is how far <laughs> ahead they move in that. They, so they would surpass the Minnesota Vikings and still be behind the San Francisco 49ers with a 25% target increase to wide receivers, which is a monumental target increase to wide receivers. So why own them? I agree there's value there. I get it. I mean, Marquise Brown, there's value there. I mean, he can produce a lot of plays for himself. We saw it those first couple weeks, those huge plays, those huge touchdowns. Miles Boykin has an incredible athletic metrics. I'm not denying that. He's got great metrics. He is an afterthought. You can get him essentially undrafted. You can get him in round 22, round 23. Um, 
So for me, like, yeah, you can go after Miles Boykin. You can take the shot in the dark with him. But, I mean, you look at that, like, 25% increases in wide receiver targets over the next two, three, four years, and I bet they still don't get past the middle of the pack as far as targets towards wide receivers. So I just can't come to grips with buying in, especially Marquise Brown. I get the potential value that's there. But his ADP is still decent. When you look at the fact that the offense and how much they throw to wide receivers, how much they target wide receivers, it's still a decent price to have to pay in an offense that's going to be run first for until Lamar Jackson's like 30 years old. So that's how I got my wide receivers. Yeah, I got them uh, pretty much ranked the exact same. You hit on a lot of points uh, that I would touch on. Just want to ask you, in a... In a uh, if you had to pick one of them, um, Tyler Boyd or T. Higgins, Connor, for 2020, which one would you be slapping? Oh, Tyler Boyd, all the way. Yeah? Tyler Boyd's proven okay. he's a really good slot receiver. He's going to step in when inevitably, inevitably A.J. Green gets hurt or A.J. Green gets traded. I think he's going to be the wide receiver one there. But T. Higgins carries tremendous value, and he carries – equal opportunity to grow with Joe Burrow and equal opportunity to really be fantasy relevant here in the next couple of years, even maybe next year, if things don't go well with AJ green. Yeah, absolutely. Those are the, like, those are the two that I'm targeting for the wide receivers. And I just wanted to make sure like it wasn't just me. Like I don't have Boyd over a thousand this year, but that's, it's Tyler Boyd. Say it ain't so. Don't let the John Ross dream die this year, man. Come on, keep it oh, alive. Right. Keep it alive. I just have a hard time. I have a hard time getting behind John Ross, and I've had a hell of a time getting behind him, even when he first came into the league. Like a just, he's a boomer bust. I think he's just going to be an extremely volatile option. Not that the dream's dead, but he's just going to be a That's volatile dead. option, and maybe he's got to go somewhere else. But I mean. If A.J. Green goes and he suddenly slots in as a wide receiver three and that outside threat that Joe Burrow can go to to throw that long ball to, suddenly he becomes a little more intriguing, but I still find it hard to get behind him. Yeah. Like, in my notes here, like, I have it, like, so Cleveland I have as one as just because of the best duo and, and Landry's ADP. But then, like, Cincinnati, like, under my notes, it says, like, it's the cheapest place that you can find a 1,000 yard receiver in the mm-hmm. NFL. Like, it's crazy with Tyler Boyd. Like, this guy is giving you 1,000 yards. Like, I don't, I have him pretty close to 1,000, but I can definitely see him hitting it. But, like, he's the, it's the cheapest place to get a 1,000 yard receiver. And, like, people for, like, literally will forgot about him. Like, it's yeah, crazy. It's, it's true. I, <laughs> I guess for me though, Jimmy, I mean that's that's the whole point. I I I, just, I feel bad because I I love Tyler Boyd, but it's like it's exactly that. Which one of those guys is going to be the thousand yard receiver? Yeah, exactly. And he's literally Tyler Boyd's actually he's a wide receiver thirty four right now. He's going at around pick eighty three, just ahead of Will Fuller. Like that's the what? disrespect oh. Tyler Boyd's getting from an ADP perspective. He's just what ahead of Will Fuller. I got fantasy data. Up. But, uh, I mean, I've okay. been on a few different sites, man. They're all ADPs are crazy. Oh, yeah, they're crazy. Like, I was I was just checking out DLF. That's why I was just trying to figure it out. Um, I'm like, I'm like, because he's a little higher on DLF. He's, a, he's still, like, 28. But 
still like, come on, you're, that's wide receiver three, man. Like, what the he's fuck? He's still being dra- <laughs> he's essentially being drafted behind AJ Green still, which is what like why why are people even buying AJ Green? What is there to get behind? What is there to get excited about there? Like, sell me on AJ oh. Green. I'd love to have it. On oh, DLF, AJ Green's going the 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 last out of the three of them. He's going forty five and in June ADP, but like still, that's maybe them catching up now to it. But May's ADP was ahead of him, which is pretty brutal. Yeah, I don't. The only way that <laughs> oh I can see God. people get excited AJ Green is again maybe at a at a discount ADP, but it doesn't seem like he's that heavily discounted. And maybe it's just a fantasy footballer that somehow got turfed to when playing flag football. Like, and they just feel that relation with uh, with AJ Green. That's the only way that. I can. <laughs> Um, a draft drafting him. It just doesn't make sense. Like you look at the guys that are going around AJ Green and like all day, like I'm going to take those guys. Like we have to go back a long ways for a good AJ Green season. Don't we? Like he, it's so funny with AJ Green. He went from being that model of consistency, um, you know, and had a good health streak to really being the guy that you could only rely on for one thing and that was being injured so it's just at 32 i just again i'm with you guys unless there's some kind of weird turf toe like uh, correlation there i'm i don't see how people can be can be drafted and continue to kind of have that adp at, at where he's at um but yeah for the for the for the cincinnati game for me it comes down to what's burrow gonna bring um, was it a fluke season or was it a transcendent season? And he's gonna light he's gonna light the league on fire in in, in year one. And who's gonna get it? I think that you know, to your points, um, Boyd's probably gonna be the guy that that gets the ball, that gets fed. Um, I really hope that John Ross isn't the isn't the odd man out, but um, I'm really interested to see how <clears throat> T Higgins uh, kind of slides into all, all this. Jimmy, I think that you had some pretty interesting stuff on. Uh, on Higgins um, and how he kind of projects for, for this season. Yeah, but that's like I was saying before, that's dependent. Like I kind of took some luxury on thinking AJ Green's not going to play a full season, whether it not be for turf toe or um, sitting out or trade. But like I have, like I have him at the red zone option there, man, with like, again, if AJ Green goes down, earlier doesn't play like i have him going down like week four and i have t higgins slotting in for like seven touchdowns and just over a thousand yards like him and tyler boyd are right neck and neck with each other higgins is a little bit ahead but yeah i have him as the red zone option and being being the number two guy there but that's but to be honest uh, where this all goes with a you guys have been touching on uh joe burrow and is it a transcendent season or or not? I think they're going to run a lot heavier with Joe Mixon and uh, try to try to ease him into it to begin with. So I I think the guy so with, be- in Cincinnati that you're going to want is Mixon. So yeah, we didn't really we didn't really unpack this whole situation with um, with Mixon when we went went over the RBs, but like, what's going to happen here? Like if, if Mixon is, let's say Mixon does hold out, what does that backfield look like? I mean, nobody is, it's interesting. Cause like when, when the Dalvin cook 
talk kind of started, everybody's talking about Alexander Madison. Everybody's talking about Madison. And, you know, we saw his ADP surge. But what does the Cincinnati backfield look like with no mix? And what do you guys think? Um, that's funny you say that because I like it's like Giovanni Bernard gets pretty disrespected. Um, the one I really like for a pure talent standpoint would have been Rodney Anderson, but he's been so injury riddled in in college. I just can't trust him. Um, so maybe it would be Travion Williams, but I still think they'd run, they'd lean heavy on Bernard. Like he's shown he could do it when he was given the opportunity uh, to lead a backfield. Like obviously it wasn't a, a full season, but he definitely, he, he showed he could be, be leaned on and he is a pass catching back, but I don't really have any concern with Mixon holding out, to be honest with you. I think he's going to I just think I think he's gonna play. I don't I actually don't even think there's really concern with uh Cook, to be honest with you. I, I own Madison in, in one league and right now I'm trying to sell him because I, I think Cook's coming back. I, I think there's not not a not a chance that he sits out. Yeah, I think that it was really interesting to me when MG3 um, held out after the Lev Bell experiment, right? Like, man, didn't we learn what what um, what these team owners and what the, the general managers are willing to do when it comes to running backs? Um, I mean, they're these guys are super talented, but the, you know the market is set by what the owners are gonna gonna pay them, right? And um, I I agree with you. I think that you know Mixon and and Cook will eventually sign and. I love that being able to, you know, sell sell Madison, get some get some value back. I've even had some had some offers uh, for for old uh, Mike Boone, uh, the the week what was it, week sixteen, complete fall on his face, uh, running back that cost some people some some money in some championships last year. But I agree, with you. I think that you know Mixon's going to be there, and I think that uh, that Cook's going to be there too, and. Here's a here's a question. Have you guys seen any decline or any panic from from Mixon or uh, Cook owners that maybe uh, some of the listeners could be taking advantage of? Um, I mean, Me, I, in, I, I've seen I've seen some Dalvin Cook worry, but I mean, at the end of the day, he's getting paid. Who's going to pay him? How much is he going to get paid? But I think like we could, you touched on the Melvin Gordon experiment. And the Lev Bell experiment, holding out at the running back position does nothing for you, but loses you valuable, limited time that you have in the league. So for though, I mean, I've seen some people kind of, kind of, you know, get the tires kicking on, on talking deals, but no one's really purging themselves of these running backs yet not that i've seen not that i've heard i'm an alvin camaro and people are like oh you worried about alvin camaro next no i'm i'm not and and i'm not gonna worry about that but like it's a really intriguing position because i'd like to dig more into the impact of second second contracts on running backs and and how relevant they were between contract one rookie contract and contract two because it's very interesting to look at that and and the difference in play that that those get beyond the guy the, those like miraculous Adrian Petersons and Frank Gores who seem like they can go forever usually the middle of that second contract seems to be the end 
for running backs and and the selling point for running backs, especially in fantasy. Um, but no, to to round back to your to your answer, no, I I to your question, no, that I haven't seen too too much panic yet, nor would I panic at all. I someone's gonna pay him. And he, if if Dalvin Cook's smart, he's not going to hold out because it's only going to hurt his value going forward because of the past experiments that we saw from Alvin Gordon and Lev Bell. I haven't seen any panic from the uh, from the Dalvin Cook owners yet. Uh, like I said, I've I've gotten a few offers for Madison. They've been pretty low ball. Um, I am looking to unload him though. Uh, and I'm actually the majority mixing owner in the in the leagues that I'm in. Uh, I was scooping them up as soon as I uh, if I picked up an orphan team or in startups if I could. I uh, I was grabbing mixing it as much as I could. Uh, so no, I haven't really seen any uh, any real panic from from the from the owners because I'm not panicking as a mixing owner. Like I said, I, I'm fine right now selling them. And if anybody is panicking and they're in a league with me, that one's Dalvin cook. Like you, you come talk to me. We'll Achim. work something out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll all, definitely, I'll definitely take them. Yeah, absolutely. All and, uh, can, just to, just to circle back on, on mixing. Cause he's not, you know, even with this contract, uh, all their talk, it's not faltering kind of people's buying in them, but, do you guys think that the the hype is maybe too much? Like I saw, you know, and again, I know that a lot of people play a lot of a uh, lot of drafts in these big money tournaments on FFPC, but you know, I've seen him go in like the fifth spot, um, and you know, quite routinely, he's you know uh, eight, nine, ten, kind of in in uh, in twelve team drafts. But like, are you taking Mixon over a cook? Uh, uh, yeah, I'm taking, yeah. I'm taking Mixon over Cook. I'm, Why? I'm taking Mixon over Cook. Uh, I have Mixon uh, ranked pretty high. I actually have him like, fuck, after the big four, he's the one I want. Um, personally, uh, I liked him. I know I saw a tweet saying like he hasn't finished, what was it, better than RB8, and there's been seven running, I don't know, it was crazy stat, like seven RBs out of his class have finished better than him. But, um, no, like I've I've always liked the talent of Mixon. I uh, was iffy on the line. Now that they're getting a first round draft pick back that they lost from last year, uh, is is good. Like I said, they're I think they're going to rush more and lean more on Mixon because of the rookie uh, quarterback in Joe Burrow. And the last thing that really was the nail in the head in the coffin was uh, when I heard Bill Belichick. Um, say that he thought Joe Mixon was probably the most talented running back in the league. That was a pretty, that was like the final stamp of approval for me when, when he said he saw Joe Mixon playing and, and he said he was probably one of the most talented running backs. So like I said, after the big four, which is obviously McCaffrey, Barkley, uh, Zeke and Kamara, I'm going for, uh, I'm going for Mixon. And yeah, I'd be um, I'd be all over Mixon as well. I mean, for me, the talent for Cook. I mean, the injury question marks. They're always going to be there. I think they followed him in from college into the NFL. Joe Mixon has proven he he can stay fairly healthy despite taking complete beatings behind a putrid offensive line. 
Um, and for me, like you look at a stat like yards created and evaded tackles and the fact that he still can't produce the yardage speaks more to the offensive line than it speaks to his talent. If that man can create more, he created over half of his yards by himself and he evaded over 100 tackles in a season. As soon as you put an offensive line in front of this guy, he's easily going off for 1,200, 1,300 yards, no doubt. And the touchdowns will come with that type of production. So for me, it's definitely, definitely mixing. And I think the Bengals aren't like a big buy team for me. I mean, I, we talked about me, me and uh, Jim talked about Burrow in, in our rookie episode. Neither of us are very high on Joe Burrow. But, I mean, just the idea of having that that new quarterback, that you're going to build this offense around him, and these young people are your – these young players are your pieces that you're going to build around. Joe Mixon is going to be a very vocal focal point to that offense. It goes without saying. Yeah, no, no, I love I love the talent. I guess, I guess in the drafts that I've done so far, I haven't even been in that kind of range to be able to – get mixed in, you know, uh, I, I don't know how, but, you know, most of my drafts have either been uh, front loaded or, you know, more, more at the back half at the, at the 12 spots. So I haven't even had to be, you know, be in that kind of uh, mix in, uh, in cook range to even have the opportunity to draft it. That's why I was asking the question. I don't necessarily disagree with, uh, with you guys. I love the talent. Um, you know, if he's playing from, from week one and healthy, I think that we're going to be looking at a monster season. Jimmy, sorry, man, I cut you off. Uh, I just wanted to know um, from both of you guys uh, an over under for all purpose yards and total TDs, uh, 1,510 for Mixon. Um, for me, the all purpose yards, um, I'll go, I'm going over, but I'm going under on the touchdowns. I just don't know how how often the Bengals are going to score. That's the issue. I still think that they're they're pretty deep in a rebuild, and I think a lot of people are saying, "Oh, they got the franchise quarterback. That rebuild it just got accelerated." I'm not prepared to believe that or to to stand by that because the thing with some rebuilds is they have the people in place. They have like one half of a team built. You know, sometimes they'll have the defensive side of the ball built, or they'll have the offensive side of the ball built, but they're just missing a quarterback. I don't think quarterback was the answer, the be-all, end-all answer for the Bengals. I still think they're a couple years out from being any sort of relevant in this in the AFC North. So I'll go over on the all-purpose yards. I think he can get there. I think, I like you, like I said, with that offensive line, I can see 11, 1,200 yards alone on the ground, and then I can easily see probably five, 600 yards through the air. Okay, you're a little higher with the yards to the air than I was, but yeah, we're bang on on the yards and the ground. I'm just looking for Both me teams. the big for me the big thing on Mixon. Look at the who else is playing that slot beyond like Tyler Boyd. Your biggest threat is Tyler Boyd, who's going to get the ball in his hands, and then after that, look at the tight ends. I compare the tight ends in Cincinnati to the tight ends in in uh, in Arizona. A completely zero fantasy relevance, and Joe Mixon will take every Ooh. last target from them. They like those tight ends in Arizona. Can anybody actually name more than one of them? <laughs> hey, I threw I, I threw man. it out there on the episode that we did on here, and you were you guys are like, holy crap, he's there. Dan Arnold. <laughs> yeah. uh, who's the second one? Dan Arnold. Will- Williams. Max, Max Williams. Yeah, Max, Max, Max with two X's. 
That's right, baby. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of the over under, man, he's uh, he just needs a slight uptick um, uptick in uh, receiving yards to hit that fifteen hundred all purpose. I think he's gonna. I think he's. Oh man, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna be a little bit concerned. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go under on the total um, yards, and uh, he's gonna go over on the TDs. So I mean, you look at last year. Um, he pounded, he pounded the rock in the end zone eight times. I think he's going to hit over that, but, um, with those additional bodies in the passing game and, uh, you know, Boyd, uh, having the role that he does in the slot, I think that he's just going to be a tick under 1500. So, uh, under on the, on the total yards and, uh, I'm going to take the over on the TVs boys. So my, I guess it's kind of a two-parter. Um, would you have that over Dalvin Cook or no? Because I have that clearly over Dalvin Cook. I have, I actually have him at right now. I have mixing at eleven hundred rushing yards with exactly eight TDs pounded on the ground, with four hundred thirteen receiving yards and and two two in the air. Is is how I have it played out, and I don't see Dalvin Cook hitting that this year, just uh, with the injuries and and the uptick in the role with Alexander Madison. No, I completely agree on that standpoint because I think that Dalvin Cook with the the attitude that he has and with the attitude that he's presenting, I very well am of the belief that he could be a lot like Tall Gurley where there's going to be a team that's going to pound him to the end of his next contract and that'll be the end of his career easy with the injury history and stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I, you got. It, it's an interesting debate, Mixon versus Cook. But I'm clear. I'm with you, Jim. I'm clearly on the Mixon side of this. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um. So with that, let's 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 keep it moving forward and uh, touch with this tight end, tight end group, and uh, see who who Jimmy, we have ranked Jimmy, two, two, three, and four. Jimmy and Connor, can we just like, can we just give it to the Ravens and just move on, or? Yeah, yeah. Like I was saying, well, we like, can we like, can spare really... time, definitely. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. I'm just, joking. I'm just joking with you, boys. Like, um, I was saying, like, uh, we, we, it's all Andrews number one, right? Across, across the board, I guess. Uh, my main thing would just be really knowing who you guys have at two. Yeah, in for, there. for for me, I got Eric Ebron at, at number two in Pittsburgh. I think he's criminally underrated this year. Um, he's he's going around the mid tight end like eighteen range, going after all these you know all these guys who are like oh Jonu Smith and Blake Jarwin and stuff. All those people, those ones who are gonna have the big breakout year. Air quotes to that. Um, He's going from a team that ranked 26th in pass plays to a team that in 2018 under Ben ranked number one in pass plays. If Ben's throwing the ball again, Eric Ebron's going to get that ball. Um, the last two seasons, he was top two in Hallgrave, which is how often a player is targeted while on the field. So the fact that the past two straight years, he's been number one or number two, people rely on Eric Let's Ebron. People, yeah, people will throw to Eric Ebron. They rely on Eric Ebron. Um and in 2018, Vance McDonald was a tight end 12 under Ben, and Eric Ebron is definitely better than Vance McDonald. No brainer, no doubter. Um, and Eric Ebron last year was number four in points per route, number eight in points per target. So to me, that equals incredible target premium and incredible target quality. Um, so for me, Pittsburgh, Eric Ebron, easily number two. But I see where the trick question might be there because of Austin Hooper in Cleveland, um, which is obviously my number three. 
Um, but for, for Cleveland, I mean, he's, he's going from a pass heavy offense to a far lighter passing offense in Cleveland. Um, the Atlanta Falcons ranked number one, um, and Cleveland ranked number 20 in, uh, passing plays per game. Um, Brown's tight end scored 27% below the league average of tight ends. And that's what David Njoku and this, this is my take on the situation. I am take I prefer Njoku to Hooper. That is my hot take for this episode. I would take Njoku over Hooper in a heartbeat, and I will stand by that. Um, They never targeted a tight end more than six times last season. They ranked 27th in target percentage to tight ends. I gave you the facts earlier about how much they target their wide receivers, how much they throw the ball down the field. Hooper will have to rely on... A, his target premium, his plus target premium, which he showed that he can do. He had, he can be a target premium. He can be a quality target for someone. And he's going to have to demand red zone attention over Nick Chubb. Best of luck to get in that attention over Nick Chubb in the red zone. So my hot take, and I'm standing by it, I'd take Najoku over Hooper. I love Najoku. I love the athletic profile. I think I love O.J. Howard too. Najoku and Howard are two of my favorites, mo- favorite, most underappreciated tight ends who just need to get on teams that appreciate a tight end. If Dallas Goddard was not in Philadelphia, I would no doubt take Najoku or Howard there behind Zach Ertz any day, and they would become fantasy-relevant tight ends. So that's where I got Cleveland at three. Cincinnati, they're completely fantasy-relevant. A hard, hard pass on Drew Sample and C.J. Ozuma or whatever they got there. They have lots of weapons <laughs> to stretch the field. They remind, Come on, Connor. They, they, they remind me just too much of Arizona. Joe Mixon will garner the majority of the targets that a tight end in Cincy would have attempted to get that attention. Um, so for me, yeah, I'll keep it short and sweet at tight end, especially in Cincinnati. Yeah, it's it's tough to it's tough to not go in um, in that order, um, Connor. I think that you know Mark Andrews. I think Mark Andrews. We haven't even seen him hit his ceiling yet. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if he has a higher snap share, which he very well could, with Hayden Hurst uh, departed to um, Atlanta, and then O'Leary firmly in that kind of blocking role. Um, if we see his uh, snap share, you know, increase, he was at uh, what uh, less than sixty uh, percent snap share last year. If we see that increase a bit, his slot usage increases with that, or at least stays the same. I think we're actually going to see Mark Andrews kind of creep into that. Um, Travis Kelsey kind of George Kittle area, but that's really dependent on if they're going to use him more. And again, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, how much more passing can we see from this run heavy team? So I think that uh, the Ravens are, are clearly Mark Andrews is, you know, I think he's really close to being in that, in that top tier with, uh, with Jimmy's boy, Travis Kelsey, and uh, one of my favorite players in, in George Kittle. But I agree with you in, the, in that second spot. For me, Pittsburgh and Cleveland are pretty close. I think that um, Cleveland is a bit undervalued right now, uh, but I can talk about that in a minute. But Pittsburgh, I love that. Ebron, see, I, I kind of view the, the Vance McDonald and the Ebron situation as Ebron will be the red zone threat that the Steelers have not had um, in a long time. I mean, Antonio Brown used to be that 
uh, target in the red zone for them. Uh, but they've, you know, since the days of Heath Miller, they really haven't had a, uh, a tight end that they've, that they've leaned on heavily. And I think that Ebron could really be that guy in the red zone. We saw what he could do with the Colts when he was targeted in that role. And I'm super excited about that at ADP. Um, it's tough to, um, it's tough to uh, not go with him where he's being drafted and the role that he's going to have locked in. I mean, I know that he's uh, going a little bit before a guy like Howard, who I'm super high on, and we're not sure how uh, Howard's going to be using him. Maybe things are looking up there. I, I like Howard, but Ebron's role in this offense, I think, um, you know, if we if we go back to what the Steelers were doing in 2018, I think that, hey, um, Ebron can play a real role. But I also look at Vance McDonald and, you know, the hype train for Vance McDonald was off the rails last year. And, you know, I was just, as a, as a Steelers fan, I was just like, hey, guys, like, pace yourself. I mean, the guy had one wicked stiff arm in uh, in Tampa, and he's always kind of teased us uh, since his days in San Francisco. But, you know, he really hasn't put down a productive season and a healthy season. But when I look at Vance as, um, as kind of that up-the-scene yak guy, um, that Ben, you know, if uh, Ben's getting the ball, he loves those Jack guys as we talked about before. So as a one-two kind of tight end punch, um, I'm kind of excited about um, Ebron and, and Vance McDonald working together. And I look at it, I mean, Vance McDonald is an absolute throw-in. Um, he's probably not even being drafted in some, you know, uh, in the top 15 rounds. So he's, a, you know, a throw-in. Um, best ball formats, I'm smashing both of those guys. Absolutely. You know, Vance is going to have a couple of games where he goes off, you know, for a 50-yard 50, 50 run or uh, a big uh, a big catch and run, and, and he'll pay off just even for that one week. So I'm liking Pittsburgh um, as the number uh, as a number two, but, you know, it's really close to Cleveland for the reasons that you talked about. Njoku is a talent, and, like, you know, I think last season it was really interesting. He got off to, um, you know, a pretty decent start. And it was really interesting how Cleveland was using the tight ends. They, it was their red zone weapon outside of Nick Chubb. That is who they were throwing the ball to. And you saw that in the limited games that Njoku was healthy for. He was their red zone target. Obviously, all of this is, um, you know, potentially thrown out the win- window with uh, with Stefanski in the, in the mix now and also bringing in Austin Hooper. But we know that Stefanski uh, is going to have those two, tens, two tight ends out there. Njoku, um, if healthy, um, could see some more work, kind of play that Irv Smith Jr. Um, role for uh, for this team. I had to throw that in there, Jimmy. I'm coming around, man. You're working on me on, on Irv Smith. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> you and Dynasty Sleeper, man. Oh man, you guys did a number on me with uh, with their Smith, but um, I'm excited about Njoku this season. <clears throat> but I'm also, you know, Austin Hooper was what number the number three tight end in fantasy last year. That's right, right? Mm, I think you're pretty close there. Yeah, any any uh, missed some time? Not, I don't think it was that high though. I think it was wasn't five or six. Five or six. Damn, um, still still good. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I look at where he's being drafted right now and he's slipping back. Right. And, and not to say that, um, and not to say that he's necessarily a smash grab, but you know, he given the volume that he received last, uh, last year, um, he could potentially be a, a buy candidate. I mean, he's going now, uh, FFPC, he's like, you know, 90th overall in terms of coming off the board. So 
he's one of those mid-round guys that uh, could potentially pay off value and um, could be their kind of go-to red zone rep weapon outside of um, outside of Nick Chubb. So if his value, like if his ADP continues to slide, I think that he's an interesting candidate. And you know, um, look at I looked at kind of win rates, Austin Hooper's win rates um, in uh, in. Uh, best ball last year was just was just off the charts because you're getting him in that eighth ninth round and um he paid off his adp pretty handsomely so i think that you know najoku's a screaming value if austin hooper continues to um kind of go backwards he might be a buy candidate but that cleveland to me is really really close to pittsburgh um in terms of tight end production and then yeah you know the Bengals, um you know cj uzuma i think is an interesting um an interesting veteran you know we have seen late tight end um breakouts before right like 27 um 27 year old plus kind of guys like i always liken it back to remember gary barnage the barnyard dog when he had his kind of transcendent season at 27 or 28 um it's certainly possible and you know we've uh, we do have a rookie quarterback uh, under under center here and uh you know maybe Uzuma could be a, a safety valve for him, but I mean, that's kind of, that's grasping at straws. I had to say something about um, the Bengals and CJ Uzuma. Like I, I, Hey, I picked him up, um, you know, super, super late because Hey, anything is possible. And then in the, in the 25th round, why not? But um, that's kind of how I have them ranked. I'm um, exactly seeing eye to eye with, uh, with you, Connor. And uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think that there's any kind of <clears throat> sleeper here that we're not we're not talking about. It's pretty clear um, what each of these teams' tight end room kind of brings to the table, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I flip flopped Cleveland and Pittsburgh, but that was more to do with the uh, uncertainty behind the quarterback position with Big Ben and the fact that they did pay. Um, like you said, the number uh, was he the number five tight end last year to come in in Austin Hooper, but like I said, he like was number six. Young. Oh, number six, number six. But like I said, uh, they had, they do have two good tight ends there with with David and Joku and Austin Hooper, and it's just it's just the quarterback that gives them the little bit of an edge for me when it when it comes to ranking those guys. So obviously, it's Andrews. Andrews is first. So, uh, but with that, like I said, uh, it is the quarterback that gave them the edge of this division. <laughs> this division. Um, how do you have them ranked? Well, yeah, I, th- um, I think that this one again is uh, is a pretty easy one at the top. You got to go. You got to go, Lamar. Right? Um, he is a uh, generational talent and just um, an exhilarating. Um, player to watch you know and we saw what he could do for fantasy purposes last year and what he could do for for the baltimore ravens and i don't see him uh slowing down any um unless there is some injury i really hope that there isn't you know his uh his style of play um you know he he runs hard and uh i really hope for you know the sake of the game that that he can stay stay healthy uh he still has a still has a, a great o-line uh they did they did lose some uh some some personnel um this offseason um but again you know the ravens just seem to be one of these uh clubs that do everything right and we've seen a 
uh, talented O-line year after year and then continually kind of replenish the, the stocks there. So um, I think it was uh, Michael Yander retired, right? Which is, you know, that uh, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big hole in that O-line. But again, uh, we've seen time and time again as Baltimore is a team that uh, that knows how to evaluate talent and uh, and also um, draft um, draft the best player available. So uh, Baltimore, I think, is still in good shape. Um, Lamar um, again is uh, is a fantastic talent, um, both for us uh, fans of the game and and also for fantasy footballers. So. For me, it's it's a no brainer. I I don't have too much to talk about. I think it's pretty pretty much cut and dry with uh, Lamar at the top. Um, but then it kind of gets interesting after that. Uh, for me, um, number number two uh, and and number three, it's really tough. I gotta go with uh, I gotta go with Big Ben. Um, a healthy Big Ben here. Uh, we know what he brings to the table. Um, he's also, you know, uh, familiar uh, with that Pittsburgh system. Um, and we saw him have his best statistical season only two years ago. So for me, Big Ben would be number two. But it's really close with um, with Mayfield. Uh, if Mayfield can kind of tap into um, tap into what he was able to do at the end of his uh, rookie season after Tyrod went down, I think that was pretty special. And I, you know, I know that the O line has a lot of question marks. They beefed up in the in the draft, um, also on the free agency uh, side of things as well to uh, to give Baker a little bit more time. Um, I like the talent. I think that we all love what Baker was able to do in his collegiate career, and then at the end of his uh, rookie season. Um, so he's number, number three for, for me. And then, you know, number four, I, I don't want it to make it seem like i just don't have any respect for the Bengals or Burrow. Um, for me, it's all about who's going to help me win fantasy games. And, um, for me, those three other quarterbacks, um, are ranked ahead of Joe, Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Burrow in, uh, in year two. Um, might be pushing for that top slot with Lamar in uh, in the AFC North, but for this year, I've got to go um, with the Ravens, the Steelers, uh, then the Browns, pretty close to the to the Steelers, and then the the, the Bengals uh, in the in the four spot. Yeah, for uh, for me, um, yeah, you nailed it pretty uh, pretty good on Baltimore. I think it's a pretty easy one there uh, for me. Mobile quarterbacks are the ones to own. They're like the must-own quarterback. If you can move out of the pocket and you can make plays happen for yourself, um, that's somebody I definitely want to own in fantasy. Um, he he was number one in essentially every single rushing category um, for quarterbacks, and he easily beat out a large number of the running backs that were uh, that had some fan sort of fantasy relevance. Um, and it's a high octane offense built solely, basically, around Lamar Jackson and what Lamar Jackson can do. So, I think it's a, he's super easy to say he's a must own in fantasy. And the toughest debate you probably would have is Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. Um, but that, those are that would be the toughest debate that you'd have at the top among those two quarterbacks. Um, number two for me, I went Cleveland. Um, Mayfield, for me, Mayfield has the mouths to feed, and it's just time to feed them. There's no reason he can't be a top 10 fantasy QB. I think he's got all the weapons. He 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 reminds me of kind of like 
him and Jared Goff, they kind of, they remind me of each other in their inability to use the weapons that they have and their inability to make stuff happen with what they have on the field. Um, so he's got a ton of the weapons. He's got all the mouths. He's got a tight end. He's got two running backs. He's got two wide receivers. He, he's got lots of weapons. And he's finished QB 16 and QB 20 in the last two seasons. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him be a top 10 fantasy QB. And I know that we have tried, that, that a lot have sat there and, and hyped up Cleveland and they disappointed year over year. Um, but, I mean, at least from a fantasy fantasy standpoint for me, I can, I can see Baker Mayfield actually becoming something of relevancy. Um, number three for me, and I hate to push Ben to the bottom, but it's Cincinnati for me. Don't I'm do not, it, Connor. Come on, man. Don't do it. Um, listen, I'm I'm not high on Joe Burrow. I I'm not in love with him. Would I draft Joe Burrow? Absolutely not. And nor you will never see me with a share of Joe Burrow. Um, but he's got a better O line. They strengthen the weapons. He has everything to get excited for in fantasy. But the only thing for me is he's got one year of true college production. And that's just why I can't get behind Joe Burrow. I'd have to see it happen. And by the time I saw it happen, I wouldn't be able to afford the price tag that would be on Joe Burrow in fantasy. Um, I think the team's still a couple of years out in the rebuild. Um, I see a negative game script often, which equals a lot more air work and air yards for Joe Burrow, which equals a little bit more fantasy relevancy. And Zach Taylor is um, apparently the next quote unquote Sean McVay or whatever they want to say, which means that this offense could be creative and could equal some at least some semblance of fantasy relevance um, for Joe Burrow. And for me, I just can't get behind Ben because that elbow man that elbow concerns me he's 38 years old what's left in the tank ben doesn't strike me as like tom brady or drew Brees, who can play into their 40s and who can sit there and say i'm gonna play till i'm this old i just don't see it i think the end of the roethlisberger era is coming and the backup plans are bad they're really bad uh, don't, they don't, don't, so i mean you don't you <laughs> so the thing for me is you don't see any type like if ben goes down what do you do there's nothing there we saw what it did it's it's ben or bust Cold for man. pittsburgh totally you don't yeah definitely have to call cam you don't you don't buy into ben saying for the third straight season that he's in the best shape of his life and that his off-season uh training of golfing and yoga and drinking beer doesn't uh, doesn't put him in the best shape of his life for 38 come on. i honestly don't know how he can come back in year over year he's gonna throw that ball over 500 times he's gonna probably get 5,000 yards he's gonna get like 30 touchdowns and i'm gonna sit here this time next year and be like how the hell does that guy do that and i can barely and I can barely push a lawnmower through a yard. Like, this is crazy, man. It, yeah. it blows my mind. Dude, but, man, he's, he's said that he's going to play. I think, what did he say? I'm going to play until I'm 44. Like, he is on record of saying something that he's going to play into his 40s. I mean, I see, the thing about Ben, and, like, this is, like, the thing about Ben is he's the kind of guy that is kind of like, F you, right? If you say I'm not going to do something, I'm going to go and do it. And that's why I have such faith in the Steelers and Big Ben coming back and, and being healthy um, this year. I mean, if again, if if uh, Ben goes down in uh, 
in week two like you did last year, oh, man. Like, last season, it got to the point that I was like, you know what? I might actually just stop watching when the offense is on the field and just watch the defensive side of the ball. Like, that's how bad it is. I hope that doesn't happen. And I hope for the sake of, you know, fantasy football, I look at, you know, the the two quarterbacks that we're, that, that we're talking about that were really close for me and Baker and, and uh, Big Ben. I mean, if they go back to levels that we expect of them, they're going to be absolute steals and drafts and could be talking about, I mean, they're being drafted in, geez, uh, 11th uh, past the 10th round for sure. I mean, last year, where was Baker getting drafted third, fourth round? Like, no wonder people are, you know, sour on him with that kind of EDP investing that early in any kind of quarterback that doesn't have that r- rushing upside is kind of insanity anyways. But, I mean, at their current ADPs with um, Baker and and uh, Ben Roethlisberger, like if we have them on our roster and we're fading the quarterback until late rounds in the single QB or have them as our second quarterback in, in Superflex, man, oh, man, we could be sitting pretty um, this time next year, right? Yeah, yeah, more so with Baker, I'd say, because like I don't believe Ben's playing to 44. He can say it all no. he wants. <laughs> but like, oh man, and like, trust me, like, I like Ben. I'm a fellow beardy, like Ben, right? Like, fuck, I hope I, uh, September, I go full Roethlisberger with this bad boy. But so it's interesting. You guys exactly were both sides of what I was trying to battle with when it came to the quarterback position here, right? Like, obviously, the Ravens are number one. The only debate is, is if it's going to be Pat Mahomes or or Lamar Jackson and in, in startups, and obviously the answer is Pat Mahomes, especially in six point passing touchdown leagues. Like I don't know why why you'd be going for the second rate quarterback anyway, but anyway, so uh, I have it as number two. I have Cleveland because uh, because uh, because of um, it's Baker, right? Like you've seen, he's shown you flashes in the rookie year. He has the weapons. Uh, I think we were all a year too early on him, uh, hyping him up as up to QB4. I see a lot of similarities with Kyler Murray this year and uh, Baker Mayfield last year. Uh, I just think we were a year early on him. So I have him as the number two here. I have, I do have, this is where I have Ben Roethlisberger as the QB3. And like Will said, it is based on a healthy Ben Roethlisberger. I have Pittsburgh as three. Um, if the wheels fall off that bus, they better be calling Cam and his, uh, and his, and his wardrobe assistant pretty fast to, to make some appearances up there in uh, Three Rivers because that bus is going <laughs> to end up falling apart pretty fast if, if Ben goes down and Cam is not there like uh we talked about it off air uh they're gonna have to pay and they're gonna have to pay for a quarterback and uh they better be winning games before before ben goes down for them to want to invest in it because of their like i said if they're three and four going into uh week eight i don't see any reason why they would put that money into a quarterback but like i said i i have them at three based on a based on a healthy ben roethlisberger and then four is just like it's 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 the Tiger King. It's the guy that couldn't beat Dwayne Haskins, right? Like uh, <laughs> I had to leave. <laughs> um, that's yeah, that guy. I'm gonna chirp him. I'm gonna chirp him. Ben's proven. He has not been proven. So I mean, 
he's going to be four. Everybody else in this division has played NFL games, so I can't justifiably rank anybody. And I know I could be wrong on it, but I can't justifiably rank a guy that hasn't taken an NFL snap over over three quarterbacks that I've definitely seen uh, QB one level talent from at some point in their NFL career. So that that's why I have Cincinnati at four. So uh, with that being said, um, we'll go uh, the overall scores on the, on these uh, teams. I have the Ravens and the Browns tied at eight. And I actually have Pittsburgh and <laughs> the Bengals tied at 12. All hinged on Big Ben, right? If it's it's uh it's Big Ben or bust. Uh, Connor, how do you how did you overall rank rank these teams? Uh, I have uh, I have Cleveland at seven. I, I because of the uh, where I ranked the running backs. I think the running back and wide receiving talents really good there. Um, and I'm giving Mayfield the benefit of the doubt because of that. Um, I got Baltimore at ten, uh, Pittsburgh eleven, and Cincinnati twelve. Nice, nice. A pretty clear picture there. Pretty clear. One, two, three, four. Yeah, you're uh, you're you're better off for the listeners than I was on giving them the the old two two. (laughs) (laughs) Making it Uh, tough. They're like, where? Who do I? What team do I go with? What team, Jim? Yeah. You 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 go with pieces of two teams, and that's that's about it. I like I like Jimmy I like Jimmy's strategy there. Um, that was that was pretty good. Um, <clears throat> I think that uh, I gotta go uh, gotta go with the Ravens with uh, with a twelve. Um, just that that run game, um, you know that clear uh, clear cut kind of league winning uh, potential with uh, with Lamar Jackson under center. I don't think that anything's gonna sway there. Anything's gonna go. Uh, downhill, and then I, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a little bit of a Jimmy and I, I, Cleveland and and uh, Pittsburgh for me um, a, a ten uh, because there's just I think that the assets in uh, Cleveland are just a little bit more stable, and I think that they have um, a lot of upside um, where everything in Pittsburgh is contingent on. Um, on Big Ben's arm, um, and it's also you know if we're going to lean in on the run game, it's also contingent on James Conner staying healthy. So um, I like the I like the potential upside of Pittsburgh, but I like more of the stability in Cleveland um, right across the board. Um, and then I got to get the the Bengals. I've just been so tough on them, but going to give them uh, an eight. Yeah, I don't I don't mind it at all. There you go. Uh, definitely liked it. So I, uh, you know what you know what this time you know what at the end of the season uh, you know because there's a lot of people that are predicting that the Bengals are the sneaky offense and that uh, Coach Taylor is gonna sprinkle some of that Sean McVay dust from three years ago on this team and it's gonna light it up. I just I just don't see it, but I could be um, I could be regretting uh, my uh, kind of Bengal bashing today. But um, you know, in terms of uh, upside, I. It, I'm just going to bank on Pittsburgh and, and Cleveland and get those known assets that we, uh, that we have in Baltimore and, and what that run game can do. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens, right? That's the, that's the yeah. beauty of uh, us talking about this. And man, it's June 15th. Isn't that wild? Till next time when we break down 
another AFC division, probably the East. And uh, see you guys next week. Yeah, well, thanks uh, so much for having me on, uh, Jimmy and Connor. Real pleasure. Um, you know, I just uh, wanted to say, too, that that uh, 42nd clock draft that I'm on was uh, me and uh, Josh, FF Fantasy, gives back testing out uh, fan traps uh, for our upcoming Canada Cup League, which is uh, super exciting. So that's going to be uh, East versus West uh, season long, and I'm super pumped to to have the TNFF crew uh, playing in that and a bunch of other great uh, Canadians. We've seen the uh, the success and, you know, I'm so happy that you guys have been so supportive and a big part of the Canadian National Best Ball uh, Champions League that, uh, you know, kind of uh, started out of the uh, doldrums of, uh, of COVID-19 and uh, going kind of nuts in, uh, in quarantine, but that's, that's growing and the demand has been crazy. We've opened up the second... Uh, conference in the Jim Leahy conference. It's a uh, it's a theme, tragically trailer park themed uh, Canadian uh, best ball championship league kind of first of its calling. All proceeds going to charity, so it's it's been super excited. That's opened up to a second conference, and you know I've already got a waiting list uh, with people saying, "Hey, um, is there any spots? Is there uh, is there going to be another conference open up? What's the plans for the leagues going forward?" And um, thanks so much for the support from from your pod. Uh, I know that we. Uh, we gave away a spot on the uh, on the podcast here, so congrats to Mr. Uh, Eddie who uh, who won that. Um, awesome to have him in the in the league, and you know this this league, guys, is like I look at the the roster of of who's playing in it and uh, the teams that are being assembled, and you know we've got the best fantasy football players in the, in the country, and I really want to make sure that we get all the best fantasy footballers in this, uh, in this fine country of ours involved. And, um, and I just wanted to say thanks again for, for all of your support there, guys. And, um, it's, uh, it's been a real, real great experience and uh, really excited to, to see where it goes. Yeah. I'm very excited to be a part of that. Uh, mm-hmm. we're 100% of all the money goes to winner's charity, which is pretty sweet. And uh, I was actually going to say, yeah, I'm getting a lot of uh, a lot of requests to uh, where they can join. Where the, and if if you're going to open up a third or fourth conference, I think I think it's like I said, June 15th. But I think you're going to have to open up a third conference for sure because uh, there's yeah. definitely demand for it. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really good. And hey, Connor, maybe we can let you have another team where you'll draft more than one quarterback. I, mean, I would really, oh, I, I was even really, gonna bring it up. I would really appreciate that. I would really appreciate that. Oh, I, I definitely Teddy. missed the boat there. I think I have to relive that on almost every episode now. <laughs> um, but it's you know it's uh, it's been a lot of fun, guys, and uh, we've got a lot of really good people involved. And yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a cool format, right? Where the winner takes home. Uh, the the winnings of kind of the first overall goes uh, goes to the winner's charity, so everybody's playing for their own charity, which is which is super cool. And the rest of the podium uh, gets some awesome prize packs from uh, from some from some sponsors and supporters that we'll be able to name soon. And um, I'm just working on kind of a title sponsor right now to get a really um, kick-ass trophy, uh, you know, to really crown the national best ball championship of uh, a champion of Canada properly and. Yeah, I'm gonna gonna be continually uh, lo- um, dripping, dripping that onto onto everybody that's uh, that's following me at, at its hair's time, and uh, it's gonna be gonna be really exciting. Yeah, we're just getting started, 
So if you're, you know, if you're interested, contact Connor, Jim, myself, anybody at uh, True North, and uh, we'll make sure that you get on a waiting list today if, uh, if we do open it up for some more conferences. And it's kind of crazy that we're talking about this and it's only, uh, <laughs> it's only June 15th, boys, but it's for, uh, it's for a great cause. And uh, yeah, lots of the exciting things coming down the pipe and too, um, lots of exciting stuff that, uh, that Connor and Jimmy and, and myself are working on at, uh, at True North. Um, have a great new addition in uh, Josh Nelson, which is super exciting. We just brought uh, we just brought Joey on as well as uh, as an editor, and yeah, we're starting to get into some video and some some other really fun stuff. So keep tuned to to what we're doing, and uh, big things are big things are happening up here north of the 49th. So keep tuned in. <laughs>